0: and holy spirit amen you may be seated you know it's quite intimidating to have to be able to turn around all over the place i wonder if you couldn't do what the uh, uh tower of the Americas does you know just <laughs> <laughs> go around round and round. but i am very pleased to be here this is my first time at reconciliation in fact this is my first time celebrating a Eucharist in the diocese, not in the diocese of West Texas, but here in San Antonio. Uh, I live in Austin. I'm a retired priest. Uh, I was rector of St. John's in Austin for 15 years, and then they they had to put me out to pasture. But I have been very active uh, in the church. I've been very active in teaching and uh, I uh, work and and uh, co-teach with a national team with the National Office of Latino Ministry, and that is that, that's my gig, so to speak. That I that I now do, and I, I love it because it it allows me to teach about a new way of doing Hispanic ministry, which is to all generations of Latinos. But that's another story. That's another. That, that, that is a presentation unto itself. I am a native of San Antonio, born and raised here in the West Side. Uh, I was a very faithful member of the, uh, the church, Lady of Guadalupe, in the West Side. And I graduated from Central Catholic. Uh, back, back when? <laughs> I wouldn't tell you what back when was, but it was a long time ago. And anyway, I, I, uh, I grew up and uh, uh, went to St. Mary's University. And then uh, right upon graduation from St. Mary's, I uh, volunteered with the Peace Corps. And they sent me to Venezuela where, where I served. And that's where I met, I met my wife in Peace Corps training. My wife, Laverne, she's from Staten Island. And we served together in Venezuela uh, back when Venezuela was Venezuela. Which unfortunately is not quite the same. This is why we have such an influx of Venezuelans that are coming here to the States, uh, during this time. At any rate, this is, uh, uh this is, this is my home. And so I am very pleased to, to be here. And congratulations to all of you to endure the cold, especially to hear a visiting priest. Uh, and so, but I hope that we can have a, a good, uh, prayerful and, uh, peaceful type of service together. Um, when I was in the Peace Corps, I just, I, uh, having graduated and thinking of myself as a semi intellectual, I decided that I was going to peel the, the God onion, what I call the God onion. I, I wanted to, Affirmed to myself that I really was committed and believed that God existed. I I had gone into a quasi-artificial agnostic state and time period, so I wanted to really, really see for myself that I understood and felt who God was for me, and that, that I did. And little by little, I went, I came, I went down to the core, and I said, "Yep, He's there. He exists." I believe in you, God. Uh, and God probably laughs and says, yeah, thanks. I, I believe in you, too. <laughs> and what I'm saying is that that, uh, that, that was my progression. Um, in, in the Mexican culture, uh, God is referred to as Diosito, little God, little God. Uh, and so there is a, in fact, it's no different from Jesus calling uh, God Abba. Abba and Yositor are the same thing. And so we have an affinity to that God that is the source of all, that is the life of all, and illumines all of us in our hearts. Uh, but I did not know Jesus. I'll be very frank with you. Jesus, for me, was the, the suffering Jesus on the cross. Um, and that's, we brought him out every so often, especially during Lent. But, but all of other spirituality was really involved with the saints, the, Our Lady of Guadalupe, of course, and all that. But Jesus was kind of an unknown entity for me. And then, kind of fast forward ten years later, I'm now a postulant or a candidate for postulancy, for ordination, and I go to my first interview and in in uh, in Houston, to this very very Tony fancy church called St. John the Divine. You might know, you might know it in Houston, uh, and the priest. Uh, who uh, I had known here from Austin because he was director of Austin over there, Austin uh, St. David's. Anyway, uh, Lawrence, Father Lawrence said to me, Al, can you tell me what your Christology is? And I kind of scratched my head. I said, you know, I, can't, I, I don't even know how to spell it, uh, much less tell you what my Christology is. I said, all I know is that Jesus, I believe him to be Lord and Savior, and he died for my sins. And he was kind of disappointed because he wanted somebody to be a little bit more articulate, especially since somebody was going to be into seminary. And it was in seminary that I began to unravel the Jesus onion. That was my second my second thing, and, and the more I got into it, the more I realized that, uh, that there is not one Jesus, but many Jesuses that are preached and that are written about in the gospel. Uh, each one of the gospel writers have, has a different take as to who Jesus is. Mark, for example, has a very earthy Jesus, which I gravitate to. I gravitate to the human Jesus because because Jesus endured everything that I'm going through. Jesus understands what it is to be human. Jesus went through the trials and tribulations of even, and this might sound like heresy, even trying to know who he was. It's no surprise that when he went out into the desert for 40 40 days, that's when it really hit him as to what he was all about. Now, somebody might say, yes, but uh, the eternal Jesus knew this from the beginning. That might be the case. But I prefer a Jesus that who had to struggle in understanding himself, in knowing who he was. And so that's the kind of Jesus that I gravitate to. Now, John, our gospel writer that we heard about today, he has a, a, a very ponderous Jesus, a mystical Jesus that Uh, He didn't bother, you know, during Christmas, he didn't bother with a birth narrative. He and Mark have no birth narrative whatsoever, nothing. There's no hallmark event. There's no, there's no beautiful Luke rendition of the of the stable and the three kings and all the things that we know about john gets down to the core he says why should i bother telling you where he was born whether it was bethlehem or nazareth he was with god from time immemorial and so this is this is john uh, presenting to us and telling us in no uncertain terms that jesus is divine that jesus is the son of god he's the messiah he's the son of man and all the titles that we see in the first chapter of john because john wants to make sure that we understand that jesus is above all gods all deities that were known at that time in the roman and jewish and mediterranean world and so this is the type of john that that he that he comes down to. Um, what, he wants, what he wants us to know is that Jesus is God, pure and simple. He is of the same essence. He was, he was born before time was there. Um, and, but then to me, I ask myself, if I am to proclaim Jesus and the good news, then what is Jesus to me? And I think I think all of us kind of struggle with that question. Now some of you are very steadfast, knowing who Jesus is in your life, and I applaud you. I applaud you because I didn't turn out that way. And I think a lot of people fall in that same category. They they struggle with trying to define who Jesus is for them. And so I I I, I, I thank. John, the Gospel writer, because John begins to bring in a certain element about Jesus. And we'll go into that in a minute. But um, I believe that one of the reasons that we have to define who Jesus is is because today's Gospel is also about evangelism. Evangelism. Now, that's the dreaded E-word that Episcopalians... Uh, or kind of feel, um, they, they, you break out in a cold sweat sometimes, uh, thinking about uh, evangelism. Because that is really not part of the Episcopal Anglican tradition. I Let mean, let's face it. Okay? We, we believe that all Episcopalians who should be Episcopalians are already here. And so we don't have the sense of 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 proclaiming the good news proclaiming what jesus means for us and 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 maybe it's for good reason because evangelists evangelists and those who practice evangelism sometimes are a little aggressive right don't you dread don't you dread the knock on the on the door and there's two there's two ladies with the little things in their arms like this Okay. And they want to ask you if you were saved today. Uh, I applaud those people because they're acting out their faith. They are committed to proclaiming Jesus. And I applaud them because they are doing the hard work that we don't do. Okay. Uh, we're like bankers. We expect people to come to us, okay, uh, because we've got what it takes. We, 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 that's our thinking. At any rate, evangelism is something that we don't gravitate to because uh, it's something that we see and, and what we see we don't like. But the question that I have for all of us, including myself, is if that kind of evangelism is not what kind of turns your clock, so to speak, what is, what type of evangelism is it that Episcopalians feel comfortable with? What what would you if you had to say okay I will do this much in terms of evangelism? What would that look like? I think that's an answer. Uh, as, that's a question and answer that we have to pose to ourselves. Um, evangelism, I'm convinced, starts not with knowing the Bible or knowing chapter and verse and being very adroit about explaining the the entire uh, the, the the Christian story, I believe that evangelism starts with understanding who Jesus was and is. Because if you don't know who Jesus is, how can you proclaim Jesus as part of evangelism? Okay. Now, why am I dwelling on evangelism? Because it calls for in our baptismal covenant. Every time that there's a baptism, we also repeat our baptismal covenant. Will you proclaim by word and deed the good news of Jesus Christ? That's what, that's what the, 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 the uh, celebrant asks the congregation and the people to be uh, baptized. And we say, We will. Sometimes we say, We will. <laughs> And so what I'm saying, the point that I'm, I'm making is that if we do not know Jesus Christ, if we do not know who Jesus Christ is for you, then it's difficult for us to even begin to say, I can do evangelism or I can proclaim the good news. Now, what is the good news? I've also concluded that the good news, that's the clue to the good news is embedded in today's Gospel of John. In today's Gospel of John, john says something very interesting if i can find my place here he says and this is called the prologue this is the very beginning of of, uh, this is what we read what a couple of sundays ago in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god sounds familiar it does right he was in the beginning with god and all things came into being through him And without him, not one thing came into being. Now listen to this part. This is where I get the clue. What has come into being in him, meaning Jesus, was life, meaning the Spirit of God. What came into being, what incarnated into Jesus, was the Spirit of God, the life itself, the life source that is God. And this is, this is if you, if you want to just do a simple explanation of incarnation, because incarnation is something we don't understand, I think we can understand, though, that Jesus became infused with who God was, or is. Jesus became infused with that spirit that he began to understand who God was. Now, somebody will say, yeah, but Jesus understood that from the very beginning, didn't he? And I'll grant you there's room for thinking that. Personally, I would like to think that Jesus had to struggle to define who he was. Jesus had to define, and and this is why he went into into the into the desert for 40 days. This is where he was infused with the Holy Spirit. And from that time on, he began his public ministry. He was incarnated with that life force. Okay well and good. But what good does it do for me, you might say? Well, the thing is that Jesus, being infused with God, reflected God, reflected the, all the attributes of God, His goodness, His mercy, His compassion, His sense of forgiveness. All the good things that we think about God, Jesus was infused with that and that's why he radiated that to the point that people said he is the son of God okay and and I believe this is kind of the evolution that 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 uh, that uh, jesus uh, is is the person that evolved in his understanding of who he was and in his infusion of of God so The question is, what is the good news? Well, the good news, I believe, it it can come down to this. Jesus, being so caught up in that Spirit of God as to who God is, was able to transcend himself. He transcended his humanity. We think we always hear about the transcendent God coming in among ourselves. But but Jesus, on the other hand, didn't transcend from the top down. Jesus transcended from the bottom up. He was able to go beyond his humanity and understand that heavenly realm, understand who God is and what God is all about, and to be able to make God real. That, to me, is the greatest gift that Jesus brings to us, in addition to being our Savior, in addition to what we say about Jesus, that He died for our sins, and so on. But I believe that one of the great things that Jesus does is that He's the God-whisperer. He gives us the clues as to who God is. It gives us a clue as to how we can unify with God. In fact, that's the second gift that Jesus brings to us. He can make us be in unity with God. After all, isn't that the ultimate objective? He can bring us into unity with God because he kind of opened up, he transcended into the heavenly realm and is able to explain and feel and bring down to us what God is all about and what God's realm is all about. That, I believe, is the good news of Jesus. Uh, now, if you scientific types want to n- n- uh, have another reason why you should believe in Jesus, let me put it this way. Now, those if uh, those that follow uh, physics and I don't, I read about it. But I read about the in physics in, in particle physics, there is a thing now referred to as the God particle, the God particle. All these nanoparticles, you know, that are subatomic. And and what this, this God particle is the name that's been given to this particle that illumines all the other particles to make them have weight, to make them have visibility, to illumine these other particles. In other words, the God particle brings life to these other fellow particles in physics. I believe Jesus is the God particle. I believe that Jesus is the one who illumines. and it's, it's no no—it's no, uh, uh, no secret that, and, and in the prologue, it says the same that God that that Jesus in Him is is the light, and the light and the darkness could not overcome it. And so, I believe that there's many things that we can simply say. This is what Jesus means to me. This is He's the door opener, he makes God real, and he illumines the way. And for me personally, I finally was able to say uh, in my heart that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Because for me, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life because of what he has done. Okay. Now, I'm, this is not to denigrate other great religions and their beliefs. But I believe that for us, if you hop on Jesus' shoulder, you can't help but get to God. That's the other good news. And so, what is evangelism? Just simply, just simply say these simple things. He makes God real. He illumines who God is for us. And he brings all, he brings God down to earth to us. And we are in unity with God. That's the good news. The other part of the evangelism is, as they said in the, in the, in the, uh, in the gospel uh, story today, come and see. Come and see how Jesus is working at reconciliation. Come and see how Jesus and God is working in, God's, in people's lives here. If we could do that, I think we're in. I think we've got to step up in doing uh, evangelism Episcopal style. Amen.